you know, you're cast out. You're in. You're in. If you're in Houston, and probably if you're on the road and coming through Houston, you're you're probably more than invited to come to the studio. So it's it's just a great place to to get your music out there, and I think it's a great place to to be a music listener as well. Listen for his music and other local artists here on KPFT. Hi, I'm Al Stahaley, and you're listening to KPFT Houston 90.1. Welcome to another edition of the Progressive Forum. The Progressive Forum covers issues such as human rights, the environment, politics, and peace and justice, in addition to presenting news, commentary, and a weekly calendar of events. This is KPFT in Houston. The program is a progressive forum. I'm Wally James. On today's show, we have Ann Wright, a 29-year U.S. Army Army Reserve veteran who retired as a colonel and former U.S. diplomat who resigned in opposition to the war in Iraq. She is author. She is co-author of the book *Dissent: Voices of Conscience*, and her latest article is. Two Baptist pastors and U.S. senators vote for the killing of Palestinians. Her latest article is Two Baptist pastors and U.S. senators vote for the killing of Palestinians in Gaza. And we'll be joining us shortly, but first we have This Week in Hidden History and a commentary by Jim Hightower. Now for this weekend hidden history. On February 25th, 1642, Dutch settlers in New York massacre 120 On February 25th, 16 Now for this weekend hidden history. On February 20 On February 25th, 1642, Dutch settlers in New York massacre 120 Native American men, women, and children. On February 28, 1877, the U.S. government seizes the Black Hills from the Lakota Sioux in violation of its own treaty. On February 25, 1913, the 16th Amendment authorizing the income tax is ratified. On March 2, 1917, Puerto Rico becomes a U.S. territory. On February 27, 1939, sit-down strikes are outlawed by the U.S. On February 27, 1939, the U.S. On February 27, 1939, sit-down strikes are outlawed by the U. Are outlawed by the U.S. Supreme Court. On February 26, 1941, workers at Bethlehem Steel Plants go on strike. On March 1, 1954, the Bikini. On March 1, on March 1, 1954, the Bikini Atoll. 1954, the Bikini Island H-bomb test irradiates 7,000 square miles of the Pacific. Irradiates 7,000 square miles of the Pacific Ocean and contaminates Japanese fishermen. On February 27, 1973, Wounded Knee, South Dakota is occupied by the American Indian Movement in what, in what becomes known as the Wounded Knee 
Here's our big word of the day, extraterritoriality. It expresses a sketchy legal theory asserting that rulers in one state have a right to enforce their laws in another state. The most prominent use of it was in the infamous Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, requiring officials in northern anti-slave states to capture and return escaped slaves to their plantation owners in the South, thus applying southern slave laws in northern jurisdictions. This abomination was finally repealed in 1864. But 160 years later, here comes another faction of right-wing zealots trying to revive the slave law concept of extraterritoriality. This time, applying it to any and all American women who dare to make their own reproductive health decisions. I'm ashamed to say that this repressive use of the doctrine is being led by my state's misogynistic governor Greg Abbott and our corrupt attorney general Ken Paxton, two tyrannical men who've already saddled Texas women with the most draconian abortion ban in the country, including piously forbidding abortion in cases of rape and incest. Thus, for women to obtain their inherent right to control their own bodies, they're forced to travel to nearby states. Uh-uh, bark, brutish Texas political extremists will ban that too. Thus, they've pushed a flagrantly unconstitutional scheme to outlaw the use of public roads to drive out of state for care, and they've even sanctioned right-wing vigilantes to follow suspected medical travelers beyond our borders. And going full tilt totalitarian, the Abbott Paxton posse has demanded that out-of-state care groups hand over the names and addresses of Texas women they've helped. This is Jim Hightower saying, "Talk about government overreach! Big Brother isn't just watching; he's stalking you." To oppose this, contact RewireNewsGroup.com/abortion. Howdy ho, folks, and thanks for tuning in to my Hightower Radio commentaries. And guess what? There's even more high tower waiting for you online. Subscribers to my Substack newsletter, Jim High Tower's Lowdown, get commentaries, articles, interviews with progressive sparklies, live events, historical nuggets, and more. Go to jimhightower.substack.com to sign up, and you'll get more. That's jimhightower.substack.com. The program is the Progressive Forum. I'm Wally James, and our special guest today is Ann Wright, and she is a 29-year U.S. Army Army Reserve veteran, retired as a colonel, former U.S. diplomat who resigned in March 2003 in opposition to the war in Iraq, and she is co-author of the book *Dissent: Voices of Conscience*. And her latest article is: Two Baptist pastors and U.S. senators vote for more killing of Palestinians in Gaza. And welcome back to the Progressive Forum. Well, thank you, Wally. It's a pleasure to be with you. You've written several articles on this, but can you just start off by why you're so troubled by what's happening? The 130-day Israeli attack on Gaza has left. Over thirty thousand Palestinians dead, over sixty thousand injured or wounded, seven、uh, or eight thousand still buried under the rubble. All this after the horrific、uh, October seventh Hamas attack into Israel. I don't condone that at all. But what、uh, has happened is the Israeli response, the retaliation, the retribution. Of 130 days of bombing, of artillery, of drone strikes, uh, uh, and the uh, um, immersiveful uh, genocide that is going on right now uh, is, you know, is of concern for all of us. That in today's world that we can see before our very eyes on TV every single day,、uh, the brutality, the cruel. Brutality of war, and the Israeli、uh, just twenty-four hour attacks on a population that does、uh, part of it. A militant wing called Hamas has some rockets, but essentially, it's not a 
It's not an army. It doesn't have tanks. It doesn't have um, artillery. It doesn't have a navy. It doesn't have an air force. Uh, it's just, uh, it is a bloodbath, a genocide on the people of Gaza. It's really horrific what is happening. Can you say something about the senators and how they justify voting to continue the bombings? I've been in the Congress, in the U.S. Congress, uh, for the past five weeks, and I was also in Washington in November, and we are lobbying the Congress to call for a ceasefire, to stop the killing, uh, and also lobbying the Congress not to fund any more U.S. military weapons or money to the state of Israel for the continuation of this genocide. And as a part of this lobbying, we go to, to the halls of Congress every single day. We have anywhere from 10 to 100 people that may be joining us for the day. And this is organized through Code Pink Women for Peace primarily. But we also have now Doctors Against Genocide, Teachers Against Genocide, uh, a lot of uh, brand new organizations that are forming, and that's in addition to Jewish Voice for Peace, if not now, uh, and uh, many, many other groups. But So we go every day, and we, we bring people into the congressional offices of, for example, the House Foreign Affairs Committee or the House Armed Services Committee, the members of those committees, uh, and talk to uh, the staffers, uh, we request a meeting with the, with, with the congressperson, but generally never get it. So we talk to the staffers about the latest of what's happened in Gaza and appeal to them to work with their congressperson to call for a ceasefire, to say they will not vote for more money to Israel that's going to be used to kill Palestinians in Gaza and also now in the West Bank. Well, just by chance, uh, uh, sometimes you run into a congressperson in the hallways. And one, one day last week, we were uh, in the halls uh, in the uh, Russell building of the Senate, and there was Senator Raphael Warnock standing by the private entrance to his office. And he only had one aide with him. And so this group of three people that I was with, we stopped and said, you know, Senator you're a Baptist preacher, for God's sakes. You, you must not vote for more money to Israel to kill people, to kill Palestinians. I mean, it's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not kill. Thy shall not kill. So please, please, please don't vote for more money for killing Palestinians. And we, we actually, all three of us had, um, our hands were with red paint, so it's got we had been in a congressional hearing earlier, handing up our, holding up our hands, bloody hands for, you know, the the policies that the United States has on funding Israel and the killing of Palestinians. So uh, we reached out to shake the senator's hand, and he shook hands, and the bloody hands we had right there, and he said, "Now we, you know." I know it's a very difficult situation. It's da 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 da. But he wouldn't say that he would vote against money. I said, "You're a preacher. You're a Baptist preacher. You, you were the are still the senior pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, the church of Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, you you've got to be against wars. Well, it turned out he voted for more war." He voted for more money to Israel, and it turns out that one of the ways he got elected was that APAC, the American-Israeli Public Affairs Council, had uh, subsidized his, uh, his campaign for senator because they wanted him as a Democratic candidate to win, and that would give Chuck Schumer, uh, the, the, he would become the majority leader of the, of the Senate. And Chuck Schumer is a is a one of the strongest supporters for the state of Israel there is in the U.S. Congress, and they the APAC committee wanted him and also John Ossoff, another Democrat. They funded his campaign also uh, to get those two Democratic senators in to 
give the Democrats a bare majority in, in the Senate. So it turned out that this Baptist preacher uh, was willing to vote for more war and more killing. He also, when I said, you're, you're the only preacher, the only pastor there is in the U.S. Senate, and he, he said, no, no, that's not true. There's another pastor. I said, well, who is that? And he said, well, it's uh, James Langford of Oklahoma. And our three uh, group of three just kind of went, it groaned because James Langford is another one of the ones that is uh, strongly, strongly uh, uh, calling for anything that the state of Israel wants. It's kind of the evangelical Christian thing of, you gotta, you gotta make sure that the, the, at the time of the, uh, what is it, the resurrection or whatever it is, the apocalypse, that, uh, you know, the story of that thing. So, anyway, it was a very, it was a sad, sad day, uh, when we talked to Warnock as, you know, trying to convince him that he as a Christian Baptist preacher should not vote for killing people. And then he goes ahead and votes for him. Well, and what we always hear is Israel has a right to defend itself. And I think most people agree with that. But it's the fact that they are killing so many innocent people. If they were just fighting with Hamas, that would be one thing. But all the bombings and everything they've done that's killed so many innocent people. Can you say something about that? Self-defense. Uh, so for October 7th, they had a right to defend themselves. But that right does not go on for 130 days, uh, and what what you see right now is not self-defense at all. It, it after day one, it wasn't self-defense. It was uh, retaliation, retribution, bloodthirsty retribution uh, for for the embarrassment of the Israeli government and Israeli military for having not protected the uh, the area along the fence line with Gaza where they, the Israeli military had taken most of its military forces away from that area and had them up in the, uh, in the West Bank and in the north. Uh, they, they were caught, so to speak, with their pants down. I think Hamas was as surprised as everyone else that they were able to bulldoze down some of the fencing and were able to go by motorcycle into Israel and also to fly these little gyrocopters uh, or wind-driven machines into Israel, uh, something that they had actually been practicing to do for the last month or the last year, and the Israeli military knew it. They had, they had watched them because everything that goes on in Gaza, there's 24-hour drone coverage, camera drone coverage of all of Gaza. Uh, they had seen it with their own cameras, and in fact, they had a copy of the plan that Hamas had initiated a year earlier, they had a copy of that thing. You know, the debate is, was it purposeful? Did they pull their military back in order to let Hamas have free reign for a day? And then this would be the opportunity for the Israeli government to smash as much of Gaza as they possibly could, kill as many people as they could in the name of killing as many Hamas uh, militants as they could. Uh, in order to make Gaza uninhabitable and force the Palestinians out of Gaza, which is which is which is certainly is what it looks like they're doing. The fact that there are so many innocent people being killed, there seems to be this lack of value for Palestinian life. It doesn't matter if they're Hamas or not. Feels like they just want to drive out or kill all the Palestinians that they can. It's just so, so horrific. And the UN, they've been trying to, people have been trying to get something through the UN to condemn this. And you actually went to the UN and spoke. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I had been invited to speak at a committee of the UN Security Council. It was the committee uh, on the transfer of weapons into war areas. And I sat at the same round or horseshoe table that you see on TV as the Security Council meets, and the members of the Security Council 
were were at that meeting when I gave my eight minute uh, presentation, which was pretty simple. Yes, if you if you have weapons transfers going into a combat area, it's going to uh, prolong the combat. So if you want the combat to end, then weapons transfers should not happen. And I the the point was in in Ukraine and Russia that the U.S. and the EU providing uh, weapons into Ukraine was was prolonging it, and then the Russians having other countries that are contributing to uh, to their military uh, weaponry. Of course, those two sets of contributions were ensuring that the tragic war in Ukraine was going to continue. And I took the opportunity to expand my talks to not just Ukraine and Russia, but also to Israel and Palestine, uh, saying that the U.S. contribution of weapons and money to Israel certainly uh, was one of the reasons that the Israelis had the ability just to smash Gaza. And it had turned out that several days before, on the Friday before I spoke on Monday, the U.S. had vetoed a ceasefire resolution. That was the second ceasefire resolution that they had vetoed. That was in the early part of November. And now the U.S. vetoed the third resolution for ceasefire, saying that they have a better resolution that's in the works and that there would be a short-term ceasefire. Well, what they're doing is just delaying everything. They're giving the green light to Israel to just continue the mayhem and the brutality. The U.S. is complicit in the genocide. I will also mention that the Israeli cabinet, when you said that the the Palestinians are seen as what the Israeli cabinet members have called them, have been horrific, horrific terms that remind you of what the Nazis were calling the Jewish people during World War II. It's a horrific replay really, of what the Jewish population in Europe went through 80 years ago. And yet we're seeing it happen again, and now it's the state of Israel uh, that is doing the same thing to Palestinians in Gaza and in a different manner to the Palestinians in the West Bank. I just want to be really clear here that there is anti-Semitism, and there are people that hate Jewish people just for being Jewish people. And, you know, this is a horrible thing. But what is going on here with the killing of these Palestinians? That's what everybody is is so upset about. It's not about any hatred of Jewish people, but it's about what can be done to stop this before, you know, more thousands of people, innocent people, have to die. Well, it's true. And criticism of the state of Israel and its actions is not anti-Semitic. I mean, it is, uh, it, it is what it is. It's criticism of the policies, criminal policies of the state of Israel. So don't let anybody start calling you anti-Semitic if you criticize what uh, Israel is doing today or what they've done for the last 75 years in the occupation of the West Bank and, and uh, of Gaza. Uh, you know, right now the International Court of Justice is having a three-day discussion where there's something like 50 countries that have 20 minutes to talk about the Israeli occupation of Gaza and the West Bank. It comes after the court ruling last month that there is a plausible uh, plausible genocide that is going on right now. But right the, to, the, to this week, there are 50 countries that are talking about uh, the long-term occupation policies, destructive occupation policies that the state of Israel have had on the Palestinians. It's the first time really in the history of the International Criminal Court that they have had so many countries that have uh, wanted to talk about any particular issue that has come before the International uh, Court of Justice. And it came before them because the UN Security, uh, the UN General Assembly passed resolution that there should be a discussion in the International Court of Justice about Israeli occupation policies on Palestine. You have worked for a long time trying to stop 
injustice. You got very involved with Afghanistan, and you had been a diplomat in Afghanistan. Can you say something about what motivates you with things like this and why you feel like you have to do something? As you mentioned in the intro, I've been in the U.S. government many decades, uh, 29 years in the U.S. Army and Army Reserves, and then 16 years as a U.S. diplomat. And uh, one of the last assignments I had was in Kabul, Afghanistan, in December of 2001, where I was a part of the very small team that reopened the U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan that had been closed for 13 years at that point. I stayed for about four months. Uh, During that period, uh, the U.S. was trying to figure out what it was going to do besides going after al-Qaeda. It turned out that the al-Qaeda group had already scurried into the mountains and was mostly over in Pakistan. But the U.S. then decided it would have a war on the Taliban. And, uh, you know, 20 years later, we saw uh, after, well, 20 years later, there had been some some positive work, I think, by the international community in Kabul that the, there were millions of young kids that were getting to go back to school, uh, that women were able to walk the streets without having to have a, a burqa on. Um, and all of that has come to a close with the, uh, the removal of U.S. troops in a very terrible fashion. Uh, I, I was urging that there should be a transition, that the U.S. should not be staying in Afghanistan for for 20 years, but it was not a transition that would just leave the field wide open for the Taliban to come back in for its destructive reign, which we see is going on now. And I've been very active in in uh, the, the group that says actually unfreeze the funds, the billions of dollars that the international community has had, not to give to the Taliban, but to make available to international aid organizations that that need to be helping uh, the people of Afghanistan, the, the very poor people of Afghanistan. Uh, at, right now, the international community has just turned its back, really, on um, a major uh, humanitarian disaster that's going on there. I went back to Afghanistan several different times uh, uh, after I'd resigned from the government in 2003 to work with what was called the Afghan Peace Volunteers, a young group of young men and women that were calling for their own government to work in a peaceful manner. Those young people have had to flee Afghanistan. They are some very, very brave folks who, during the time that they were still in Afghanistan, really did try to talk about a different way of life than the war that the Afghans have been under for, for decades now. We also uh, were working very hard on the issue of what the U.S. had done after the after 9/11 and going into Afghanistan and its bounty program on people who were turned into the U.S. with the allegations that they were part of uh, Al Qaeda or terrorist groups. The U.S. paid for people to be brought to them, and many of those ended up in secret black sites that the CIA ran, and then later on were transferred into Guantanamo. Over 780 people were put in Guantanamo, and you know now it's 21 years, 22 years that Guantanamo has been, the prison there has been open, and there are still 30 people that are in Guantanamo. Over 10 of them, well, the rest of them were not convicted of anything and finally were released. There are 10 that are ready to be released, but to find a country that will take them is something the Biden administration has really not worked hard on. There are trials that are going on for six, I believe, right now. So that's another one of the social justice issues that I and many, many others have been working on. There's plenty of things that our government has done that we can push back against and and work hard to try to prevent things like those happening again. This is KPFT in Houston, the program's a progressive forum. I'm Wally James. 
My guest today is Ann Wright, former U.S. diplomat in Afghanistan and former colonel in the Army. And we are in Fun Drive here, and I would like to just stop for a moment and encourage people to call in or go online and support KPFT. The number is 713-526-5738 or 713-526-KPFT or go online to kpft.org and make your donation. It would be greatly appreciated. And can you say something about why you think it's important to keep stations like this on the air? Stations like KPFT are places where voices like myself can be heard. You'd be shocked to know that I'm not invited to speak on CNN or NBC or CBS or places <laughs> like that. <laughs> shocked, I'm Su- sure. Such a surprise. Uh, such a surprise because uh, those commercial groups, you know, are beholding to the U.S. government. Many of them follow U.S. policies, no matter how terrible they are, and they don't want to have somebody that's challenging U.S. policies really on their shows. But a group like KPFT and the whole Pacifica Network are places where voices of dissent can can speak. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you on KPFT and the whole Pacifica Network, with all the good work that you do, and bringing people that have interesting stories to tell and good stories to tell that you would not hear in any other place. And thank you so much for that. And and someone we've had on a number of times over the years and been a big supporter of KPFT, and we really appreciate it. We're... uh, going to talk to you just a little bit and then get back to the interview with Ann. Folks, KPFT is in Fun Drive, as we were saying, and it's very important for uh, each show to uh, do their part. And speaking of which, we have somebody that called in at the beginning of our show, Valerie in Santa Fe. Thank you so much for making a donation to KPFT. Uh, We appreciate you you know, getting us started off with a donation. Uh, KPFT uh, survives because of people like you. Thank you so much, Valerie. And if uh, the rest of you out there uh, would like to, if you're feeling a little motivated or we could get you motivated, we really need you to call 713-526-5738, 713-526-KPFT. It's so important to support this station. I am joined on the phone by Larry Kurzan. Larry does the news here on the Progressive Forum. Larry, how's it going? Well, it's going good here, and everywhere else is going to hell, so that's the reality. <laughs> <laughs> but Ann Rice uh, Wright said the uh, exact words, that this government is completely corrupt. It corrupts other governments. It has no foreign policy except empire domination. And guess what, folks? That is over. The American empire is kaput. They don't know it yet, but uh, even our military cannot really be of any use in projecting uh, their so-called power because uh, many other nations, small and large, are going to take us on and they're going to defeat us very handily. It's just ridiculous to think that an empire will last as long as people want it to. But we have insanity that runs this government and uh, influences the government. A lot of money influences our politicians. The American-Israeli Political Action Committee uh, dictates the uh, Israeli government policy as our response. Uh, so we're here. Our nation is supporting a in-your-face genocide. Uh, you know, they have turned into what they always claimed they were a victim of, and now they are, you know, victimizing other people by the horrors of a genocide. And uh, this can't be denied anymore. And as Ann was saying... You watch uh, Fox, you watch MSNBC, any of these clowns, they're puppets and they're given scripts. And we've seen this, you know, for many, many decades now. But now it's become extremely crucial uh, because in this point in our, in our history, this country is really heading down the drain. And there's a certain stability of some some sectors and everything else is going to hell. And the people who are experiencing that hell understand it. And we at KPFT and Pacifica have been trying to uh, disseminate those realities for over 50 years. And it's unfortunate that, you know, the politician, the political establishment uh, and who runs it, 
uh, have learned nothing, and they still think they're going to try and, you know, run the world, which they are not. So, all that said, we really need to stay on the air because these are, as no one could expect times to get worse, and they keep getting worse. So, we need to stay on the air to keep disseminating uh, our clear thinking, uh, thinking that Anne Rice and many others that we've had on the program over the years, uh, you know, will promulgate. The phone here, if you want to call in, is 713-526-5738, kpft.org on the Internet. Um, That's about all I can say for tonight, Wally. It's just amazing to watch the evil, you know, that our country has become politically and just express itself in every way that it can to uh, enable a genocide. And um, it's just horrific. And, of course... You know, none of this makes any of the Jews in the world safer, and the Jews are saying that. I mean, these are the diaspora Jews. These are the great people who have been leading the uh, the uh, protests in all the capitals and all the cities across the world, and they understand it truly. But there's a psychopathic uh, country now in Israel, and it's very unfortunate. But uh, most of those people in the in the uh, in the uh, uh, what am I trying to say when they're uh, Asked, you know, if they approve of what's going on there, yes, they all approve, and some say it's not going far enough. So that's the situation. Israel's going to have to face a very difficult time so it can somehow get some humanity back so that uh, it might be saved. But at this point, it's just destroying itself, and it's, it's, uh, it's too bad. Seven, and that's all I've got, Wally. Thank you, Larry. 713 713- Five two six five seven three eight seven one three five two six KPFT. We really would like you to call right now. We had a book we were offering the first week of the fun drive, and uh, it's the bodies keep coming. Dispatches from a black trauma surgeon on racism, violence, and how we heal. And uh, it, w- it was a great interview. It's a great book. And we have three copies of that that uh, no one took us up on. So we are offering those. It's for a $75 donation. You can get this great hardback book. Uh, and we well, have. Who's the author of that book, please? Yes, it's Brian Williams, Brian H. Williams. And uh, he's a trauma surgeon in Dallas. So uh, anyway. We don't have a whole lot of time. We've got to get back to the speech, pretty qu- the interview. But, folks, get, your, get a copy of this for a $75 donation to KPFT. It's a great hardback book. Uh, and 713-526-5738, 713-526-KPFT. And there's other thank you gifts. There's the book we were offering last week. Uh, but it's not just that. There's T-shirts, there's mugs, whatever. Uh, the main thing is supporting KPFT so that programs like this can bring you information that you're not going to get anywhere else. And right, I mean, a diplomat, a peacemaker uh, who served uh, many years in the military, uh, she has become this incredible peace activist. And she has been there uh, in, you know, after one thing after another. So I am so glad she could spend this time with us. I hope you appreciate that and make that call or go online to kpft.org. Make your donation either on the phone or, uh, or, uh, call in at, um, sorry, folks, get a little bit fumbled there or go to kpft.org. All right. We've got to get out of here and get back to the interview and, uh, talk to you in a little bit. She is co-article of Biden and the way he's handled all this. Can you say something about that? Yes, I certainly have been critical. I mean, for the United States government to still 130 days into the Israeli genocide of the people of Gaza, 30,000 dead, 60,000 injured and wounded, 7,000 still under the rubble, and still the Biden administration will not call for a permanent ceasefire and continues to move in an emergency aid package that did not go through the U.S. Congress, move more and more material, military material, to the state of Israel that they know will be used not in self-defense but in offensive measures against Palestinians. I mean, it's a violation of the Leahy Act. 
that says you cannot give military weaponry to governments that you know are violating human rights. And that certainly is what the Israeli government's doing. And for Joe Biden, who we have to acknowledge, I mean, he's been a strong supporter of the state of Israel ever since he got elected to Congress. And that was 150 years ago. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's always supported the state of Israel, no matter what criminal acts it had done against Palestinians in, in the past, to include the Nakba, where over 800,000 uh, Palestinians were uprooted from their homes back in 1948 to, uh, to in the creation of the state of Israel, much less the numerous, numerous times that uh, Israel has, a, has attacked Gaza. And now that there are over 700,000 Israeli settlers that have moved into Palestinian-owned lands and have created these illegal settlements, Biden has, uh, has given the stamp of approval for it. He has green-lighted the continued 130-day Israeli attack on Gaza, saying that Hamas must be destroyed and saying, essentially, everything in, in Gaza will be destroyed in order to go after Hamas. And that's why I'm very critical of, of Biden. I'll, I'll mention a few other things that I'm critical of. I mean, he hasn't done anything to lift the sanctions that the Trump administration put on Cuba, and Cuba is really suffering. The, 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 and here Biden was a vice president under Obama when the U.S. finally opened relationships with Cuba and a, a flourishing tourism trade and all was going on. Trump ended that and with 200 and some odd sanctions on Cuba and, and called it a terrorist state, which it is not. And the Biden administration, three years into the administration, has not done anything to lift any of the sanctions. Also, during the Obama administration when he was vice president, that was with the signing of the, uh, the nuclear deal with Iran that Trump threw out the window. And no effort has been to go back to say, okay, it's in the best interest of the world that uh, we work together to, uh, to, to that Iran not develop any sort of nuclear weapons capability. So those are other things that I'm very concerned about. I'm also concerned about in Asia uh, with the militarization, the ever-increasing militarization of U.S. response to anything that concerns China, the U.S. has to have an enemy. Otherwise, how can you support the largest military budget ever in the history of the world, which is under the Biden administration? The level of vitriolic commentary about uh, the dangers of China, the movement of large military forces into the front yard of China, the way backyard of the United States, that Western Pacific, the total ignoring of North Korea, the one thing I'll give Trump credit for, at least he met with Kim Jong-un three times, and there was a glimmer of hope that there might be some sort of an, an agreement signed between the U.S. and North Korea until the evil John Bolton stuck his neck into it and torpedoed that. But there's been no effort by the Biden administration to work and have some sort of a constructive conversation with the North Koreans. And as a result, the North Koreans have been firing off all sorts of missiles, which they do whenever they want the attention of the Western community. That's their way to get it, is to fire off some more missiles. And they, they're getting better and better and better at the development of all these missiles. They have not done a nuclear weapons test, thank God, because that would kind of be, you know, I wouldn't say the kiss of death, but it certainly does not help uh, anything toward coming to some sort of agreement which will lower the tensions on the Korean Peninsula and in Northeast Asia. This conflict, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of end in sight. And Netanyahu, the leader of Israel, who has been charged, who is set to be tried for corruption, extending this war, it's just extending his power, 
helps him. It's something that it gives him a sense of power and the far right wing government that joins him in this. Wish I could see some kind of end coming to this, but it seems like they're going to drag this out as long as they can. Well, I agree with you. I think they are they are doing everything possible to make sure that that Gaza is unlivable. They are destroying everything. All the infrastructure, all the water, the sewage, they're destroying the roads, they're destroying the hospitals, the schools, the universities, the religious centers, the cultural centers. They are destroying it all. They are taking down the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, something they've been trying to do for for years. Uh, they have They have successfully... Uh, gotten Western countries to buy into this thing that uh, the allegations are that, what was it, 13 members of uh, the UN uh, RWA UNRWA uh, were participated in the October 7th events. Uh, the overwhelming, uh, but they've, they've provided really no evidence of that. But the United States jumped in very, very quickly within hours after the allegation they said the U.S. suspended the uh, U.S. contribution to UNRWA, which is the largest one. And then now the U.S. Congress has a, has a resolution saying that the U.S. will terminate all funding to UNRWA, which I hope does not pass. Uh, but the, the, the Israeli government is doing everything it possibly can, uh, and also in the West Bank, to tear up infrastructure, roads, knocking down cultural monuments, knocking down houses, uh, checkpoints, uh, uh, humiliation, brutality toward any young men, stripping them virtually naked, putting them out in squatting positions for hours and hours. It's a horrible, horrible thing they're doing. They're also doing the same thing in Gaza, just rounding up young people to include uh, doctors in hospitals, arresting doctors in hospitals in Gaza and disappearing them. So, the level of brutality that's going on and the purpose being the destruction of anything in Gaza so that people in Gaza cannot live there any longer is the primary goal of the state of Israel with the complicity of the United States, which is not doing a darn thing to stop them. Something needs to happen. There are a lot of people involved in trying to make a difference here and you have been very involved with these protests there are a lot of young people that have been getting involved and can you say something about that yeah a lot of young people are totally totally furious with our government and the biden administration and i would say that the biden administration is in deep kimchi uh, for the election, because it's not just the Arab and Muslim and Palestinian communities that are fed up with their greenlighting the genocide policies of Israel. There are a lot of people that are going to, uh, to when it comes to the votes, uh, it's not going to be good for the Biden administration. And while I certainly hate for Trump to come back in, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, to the point that how could you possibly vote for an administration that allows all this to go on and and protects the criminal acts of the state of Israel? How can you vote for somebody like that? So the, the young people are coming out in tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands to tell the administration, stop this stuff, and they're not doing it. So it's really going to have an impact on the election. And I want to thank you so much for taking this time to be with us. People can check out your articles. You can find them online. Can you tell people where they can find your articles? List them all on my website, which is voicesofconscience.com, under articles. And then if you just Google and write um, articles, a lot of them will come up that way. And I thank you very much, Wally. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And Best of luck to KPFT and all of the good people in the Houston area. All right. Thank you so much, Ann. You take care. I have been talking to Ann Wright, and she is a 29-year U.S. Army, Army Reserve veteran who retired as a colonel, and she's a former U.S. diplomat who resigned in March of 2003 in opposition to the war in Iraq 
co-author of the book, Dissent, Voices of Conscience. Stay tuned. We're going to take a short musical break and be right back. Thanks for being there. folks uh that was the interview with ann wright and uh i'm so glad that she could make the time to be with us uh as i'd said before you know she served uh in the military in the military reserve 29 years uh she left that and became a u.s diplomat and she was uh part of a small group of diplomats that went in to reopen the embassy in uh, Kabul in Afghanistan. And we've had her on a bunch of times talking about what was going on in Afghanistan. And uh, now uh, she was gracious enough that she's written several articles uh, recently. And so I was talking to her about uh, the articles that she's written lately. And I am so grateful that we're able to get her, have her on the show. And I hope that you appreciate that, having someone like her, a you know, very committed peace activist, oh, someone who uh, has dedicated her life to this. Uh, so 713-526-573, 713-526-KPFT. Uh, call in, make a donation to KPFT. We have one person, Valerie, who's called in and made her donation. And it's up to you. It's somebody else's turn. Uh, and I'm going to mention one more time, we have uh, several copies of the book, Bodies Keep Coming, uh, Dispatches from a Black Trauma Surgeon on Racism, Violence, and How We Heal. And that is Brian H. Williams, and uh, he is a trauma surgeon that's uh, uh, based in Dallas or you know works at a hospital there in Dallas. And he, uh, the publisher is very generous, uh, letting us have some of these books, so we have uh, several that are available, and for a $75 donation, you can get your own copy of this great book that we had him on a couple of weeks ago. And uh, 713-526-5738, show us that you care about KPFT and you want to keep it on the air. And uh, I believe we've got Larry on the, uh, on the hold. Uh, Larry, you want, to, you want to give us some of your thoughts? Well, also this week, uh, another example of the horrific policies of the United States and its evil empire, Julian Assange is uh, basically making his final appeal to avoid a dead, deadly extradition to the United States where he would probably die here in uh, solitary because Julian Assange took uh, you know information about American uh, military war crimes in the Middle East from years and years ago and uh, this was published by the New York Times and many other, uh, you know, legacy media here. But somehow Julian Assange is being called a spy, and uh, he's a journalist. You know, WikiLeaks, uh, he founded that. And because of WikiLeaks, we actually know what a lot of the evil our governments are doing across the world. So it's really, really important for people to just realize what is actually happening in the world. You can't just, you know, put your head in the sand anymore because it's going to affect you personally at some point, and it's better to be aware of what's happening. We can't do much about it because our government is so corrupt, but knowing about it, at least you're not going to be surprised when the uh, two-by-four hits you in the head, because things are going to get a lot worse here before uh, this is over. And so that's just another thing. We've you know covered Julian Assange here at KPFT and Pacifica for you know all the decades that he's been persecuted, uh, mainly by the Democrats, it just shows you these parties know no bounds of uh, hegemony between themselves. Their policies end up being fairly similar uh, on the very, very important things, especially foreign policy and freedom of speech, etc. And we have to call them out for their hypocrisy whenever we can. And look at President Biden. Uh, talk about a hypocrite, you know. He's a, he's a liberal, sure, you know. I, I'm, <laughs> you know, and I'm... Uh, 
I'm a, you know, something that I'm not. So uh, I don't know how to even explain this insanity of our country anymore. But uh, we're trying to keep you sane here at KPFT. Uh, you can call us at 713-526-5738, and you can give us a pledge. It doesn't have to be an immediate payment. You can pay when you can, but the pledge helps us assure that we know the money's coming in. And you can uh, reach us also at uh, kpft.org on the Internet. Back to you, Wally. Thank you, Larry. Yes, uh, you can break it down a little bit. It's like a $60 pledge. That's only $5 a month. And, um, I mean, that's the way I do it. A lot of the people I know, uh, we don't uh, have it all taken out in a big chunk. You uh, can donate what you think is a fair amount, what isn't going to hurt too much, and, uh, and they have it automatically taken out of your account. And that's what I do, and so I don't even miss it. And uh, so that that's what I would recommend, but it's up to you. Uh, some people say, well, okay, I've got this much money um, that I've set aside, and I want to put that towards helping KPFT, or I can do that without, uh, uh, without it causing any kind of hardship for me. So whatever it is, however you think about things like that, we need you if – it is all possible to make a donation for KPFT. It's, it's so important that we keep the station on the air. You know, I've been volunteering down here a long time, along with Larry and Lillian and uh, so many other people. And we do it because we love this station and because we are committed to help get voices out that we know you're not going to hear anywhere else. So 713 713- Five two six five seven three eight seven one three five two six KPFT. Uh, let us know if there's something uh, there. Like I was saying before, there's all kinds of thank you gifts. There's the t-shirts. There's the mugs, uh, and you can go online to kpft.org and you can see all of that. Uh, so if you want a thank you gift, there are some really nice ones. Uh, and the book that I'm talking about right now that uh, is available that was donated to the station from the publisher. Uh, whatever uh, you want to do, but we, you know, it's up to you. But we really hope you're going to call in now. If you haven't called in yet, this is a great time to do it. 713-526-5738, 713-526-KPFT. Uh, this station only exists, and I keep saying that, but it's true. People like you that want to make a difference, that really care about what's going on and want people to be informed. Uh, that's what they're doing, and we encourage you to join them. 713-526-5738. Larry, you got a closing thought you want to leave us with? No. Uh, I mean, I, just, <laughs> I, I, mean I, I can't come up with anything else except we're in horrific times. We can't ignore it, and we need to keep uh, sources of information like KPFT available to people. And it's uh, it's just very important, and you know we have to seek the humanity in everybody right now and stand up against these horrors that our government and the Western uh, governments are uh, you know allowing to happen by the uh, Zionist government of Israel. And uh, you know any any amount will help too. We're, you know if you have a dollar, great. If you have two hundred dollars, great. Uh, it all does add up because Wally and I, as he said, we've done this for decades already here at the station. And, you know, in the end, uh, every every donation counts and c- has kept us going for 50 years. That's the proof of the pudding right there, you know. So that's uh, that's my take on that. And uh, phone again here is 713-526-5738. Wally? Thank you, Larry. Yeah, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, Jacqueline Batiste with People of Earth is going to be coming in shortly. And... Uh, until she gets here, I'm going to just uh, talk to you a little bit more, but we're going to be fading this uh, out real quick. And uh, let me just say, KPFT is here because of you. And please make a donation, whatever level you can afford. You can break it down to so much each month, however you do it. But just make that call and support this station. We need your help. 713-526-5738 or go online to kpft.org. Goodbye. We'll see you next week.